Hey, if you're loving Creative Mind, please check out some of our past episodes where we deep dive into topics like children's book illustration, video game design, filmmaking, and of course, the most important topic of all, how do you make a living as an artist? So please hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so you never miss an episode. And also check out the show notes for links to our Instagram and YouTube pages for more great content. On this episode of Creative Find, we have a real treat. We have Lori Beck, Senior Recruiter at Industrial Light and Magic. And this episode is really important for anyone interested, not only in the world of working for Industrial Light and Magic, but of course, anybody working in the creative field. Lori really breaks down what it takes to get a job with a prestige legacy company like Industrial Light and Magic, but also some of the things you need to think about when applying for a job in the creative world. So really, take some notes. This is a great, helpful podcast for anyone. So here we are with Lori Beck. I got started at ILM by working at another Lucas company called LucasArts. And at the time, I first came on as a receptionist for LucasArts. During that time, there was a lot of growth at the company. And within a few months, I had an opportunity to move into an art department assistant role, which helped me a lot. That's, I think, where I first learned about computer graphic artists and how they do their jobs and what their mindset is and what the production process is like. Thereafter, I think I was there for a few years and I moved into a production coordinator role and I got to work on a couple of projects for LucasArts. So, you know, I was more involved with the projects and the production scenario and working that way with the artists. After I was there for a bit at LucasArts, I realized that, you know, I really am interested in movies and I always have been. And I also knew that I was interested in ILM because of the work they do there, because of the quality of their work as well. And I felt like I wanted to challenge myself in that arena. And just knowing about the legacy, I decided that I would apply for a role there at ILM. And it took me a couple of times, but eventually I got on board. And I was in a support role for, back then it was called computer graphics department. And I supported a few of the roles like modeling, texturing, creature TDs, animators, and our match move layout group. So that's kind of how I got my start at ILM. That's an interesting origin story, as it were, because a lot of people we've talked to at ILM and people who work in the Star Wars world and people who work for some of these large companies, a lot of people start at the bottom and really work their way up. And it seems pretty much everybody at ILM has done that at some point. It seems like a very good training ground. Just briefly tell me, what were you doing as an artist's assistant? Because I've heard that term a lot from people. What was an artist's assistant's role? So we really had to support all of the artists in their kind of more along the lines of their career at ILM and within the department, anywhere from helping with their desks set up where they're going to sit, helping to do things like 
their show reviews, making sure that their HR information is updated, making sure that a little bit of crewing and information along those lines, also helping with recruiting a little bit, onboarding new people into the department. It's really a support if someone's having any problems with anything having to do with their career or their employment with the company, they can usually come to me and then I would help the manager who oversees them with whatever their concerns or their issues are. If you can describe, I guess, maybe the workflow or or excuse me, the workload and what ILM artists are going through every day that you guys are needing to be available to help these artists to succeed. At the time, it was really having to decide if they're going to move, what location they're going to move to, what do they need at their desk to set up to make that move happen, helping with the move, making sure that their information about their role, their salary, everything is updated correctly, making sure that when their performance annual reviews with the managers, um, making sure all that information is put together so that you know, we can move forward with those concerns and and with that scenario and really just making sure that they are able to succeed in their roles and in their jobs at ILM. Any artist after they've graduated and any artist who's looking for a job, it seems very daunting, even, you know, downright scary to apply for a new job because you're really putting all of your yourself out there. Walk us through what you think makes a good ILM candidate? What do you look for in the portfolios and you look for in the application process and how you work with a hiring manager to start that process to really bring the best talent? Well, first of all, I would say that the first step is to make sure that the candidates that we're looking at actually have requirements of what the hiring manager is looking for in terms of the job itself, the practical work. So if they need to know Maya, you know, making sure that person knows Maya or Houdini or whatever software skills that is required. Also, depending on the show that we're hiring for, they may be looking for a certain level. So they might be looking for a senior versus a mid, or they might be looking for a junior. So Also trying to determine what level the show is hiring for. Those are probably the practical things that we're looking for. How do you you determine that? How do you determine if someone's junior versus mid Mm -hmm. or senior? What are some of those things you're looking for? We, We look for not only the years of their experience, but also we can tell by the type of shots they've worked on. And I think that is the difference with ILM is that it's, the type of work experience you've had. Our supervisors can determine if the shots they've worked on are more difficult or not. So that actually is a big determinant of level for ILM. And also the type of work that's similar to the type of work we've done. We do, as you know, a lot of heavy visual effects work. And a lot of our work is difficult in nature. And we're asked to do more bigger. And so it's a little more complex than maybe some other studios. The work we just get is is harder. 
I know you're being very polite. <laughs> yes, ILM in Star Wars is probably the most difficult stuff to do. It is the, the, the creme de la creme of the work. So yeah, this sounds like a dumb question. I've done hiring on my own. I've, I've applied for jobs and there's always that, oh, I'll put this portfolio piece in there. It should be okay. Is it really a difference where you guys can look at something immediately and go, this just isn't there yet? Yes. Okay. The supervisors can do that. Okay. They know okay. exactly what they're looking for. So and there's, again, no, there's no sneaking anything in? No, not really. <laughs> and the thing is that, again, it depends on what show we're hiring for. If we're looking for water people, you know, people who have experience doing water versus particle work, you might be really good at water, but if we're looking for particles, we may not be interested in you at this time. So that's another thing to remember. Normally in the San Francisco studio are hiring for a specific show. And obviously we are hiring for specific shows all over, regardless of our location. So just remember, we are looking for certain skill sets and experience that speaks to the certain shows that we're working on. Okay. How can a applicant differentiate themselves other than having high quality work is there something that you look forward or look on a resume and go okay that's interesting let's start the process or let's let's move them to a better pile sure i mean there are things that i look for as a recruiter that people may not think is that interesting but to me it's interesting it makes that person stand out one of those things is kind of the way their resume is put together in terms of, is it organized? Can I see your contact information clearly? Do you have an objective so that I know exactly what you want to do or what role you're applying for? Do you have your work experience laid out clearly from the most current downward? Do you have your school information there? Do you have your software skills nicely in one location? Do you have other interests or hobbies? I love that, actually. That really gives me a good insight into what makes this person tick, what they're interested in. How aware are they of kind of just different aspects of life? What influences them? I think another thing that's important to talk about on your resume quickly are maybe some of the platforms that you've worked on. Like, have you worked in a Linux environment before? Things like that are just a little added extras that help us figure out quickly if you're a good fit or not. Someone that has some of the things close to what we're looking for in a candidate. Uh, yeah, I'm going to ask you that tough question and, and press you to give me some specifics because I know it's difficult with some of this stuff. What are some examples of things that, I hate to say the word bad, but are bad examples. <laughs> Many of us have tried to write resumes. You have a change in life. You go, well, I worked on a project for six months and I didn't do much. And you know, you're always having these problems writing a resume and going, how do I explain this? What are some things that you see that are really bad ways of putting something in converse to something that's, this is a good way to explain something for us to understand what you did? Well, I, I think it depends on the position that you're interested in or that you're applying to. You want to make sure that what you've done connects to the job that you're applying for. And it has to make sense. So speak about the things. And once again, you, you can look at the job description, the job posting. 
that basically is your answer. Gives you all the answers of what that hiring manager is looking for. It, it'll tell you exactly, for the most part, what your responsibilities are going to be and what the requirements are. So if you can speak to most of those things on the job posting, then the better off you're going to be. So again, you know, just connecting your experiences with what is going to be expected from the job, from what we're looking for. On the education standpoint, what are things that you look for or things that really stick out to you when we're talking about somebody's education? Because there's so many different ways to get an education now. What are some of the things that you put an emphasis on? Well, something that's connected to education, because this is something that you can apply for while you're in school, is an internship. I'm telling you, those look really good on your resume. Most, if not all, recruiters that I know of, if someone's had an internship, top of the pile, top of the pile for it, yes. So I would advise or make a suggestion that anyone that's in- A very heavy <laughs> finger yeah, on that thing. <laughs> because basically it's experience that you can put on your resume while you're still in school and you haven't even graduated yet. That's something that I would think is important. Also, if you're talking about your schoolwork and if you've been in a production environment, working on projects at school, put that down and talk about what you did specifically in your project because that, again, is putting you in that scenario that's similar to a work experience that you would see in the industry. That's interesting because that, you know, I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry I'm interrupting. That sticks out to me as something I know from school and I meet with students, mm -hmm. you know, at the academy that a school project, you're saying, is a viable project to yeah. explain what you know how to do. Totally. In fact, I mean, people have put it on their resumes and our supervisors have asked them because sometimes they were able to put the work on their reel. And so supervisors will ask them, oh, can you talk about that? What did you do? So it's a great way to give more information about what you did, your skill set, your experience. Well, um, that's great. So actually, yeah. you know, documenting how you did a project in school mm -hmm. is like all your teachers have probably told you is actually really viable, <laughs> which yeah, sure I'm is. laughing because it's, you know, I'm going, wow, I remember working on projects back in school going, eh, no one's going to care. It's in, it's school. How can I make it? You know, no one's going to no, matter. It, it um, still matters. Yeah. What about <laughs> graduating? versus non-graduating and then that other asterisk. I want to talk a little bit about online learning and certificates and things like that. But let me ask you more about graduating versus non-graduating. Is there a preference? Graduating is important because some work visas are dependent upon whether you have a degree. Now that we are a global industry, studios all over the world, it will be more difficult for you and sometimes impossible for you to get a job at a studio in another country if you don't have your education. Oh, inter okay. I, interesting. I, that 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 makes sense because we're not just talking about working in Marin or in the United States. You could conceivably be working at a studio in London. Mm -hmm. Or if you're trying to get a job with me in San Francisco, and this has happened before, I was not able to hire someone because they didn't have the education requirements needed for the visa to bring them over that they qualified for. So they didn't qualify for a visa. 
Yeah. Wow, just, yeah, that alone is a, is a pretty important. So graduate, <laughs> get your degree. That's what I say. Getting a degree is the most important thing. We're not giving you a job for real now because we physically can't. Not only that, but the time that you spend at your school is a great time for you to network and make connections that you can have throughout the rest of your career. You could use those connections when you might need them yeah. at it, some it, other it, point. It's, it's a small, it's a very small group of people working mm -hmm. in these industries for sure. Definitely. And also to have that support and community just to keep you, you know, enthused. Because sometimes I know it's hard when you're first starting out. So yeah, that's true. What about, you know, the rise of certificate programs and small classes, you know, things that people take online, do those have merit and value? Oh, definitely. Yes. Especially if you feel that maybe, you know, you weren't prepared enough when you graduated and you, or you feel like you need additional knowledge and you want to learn or grow more in what you've done so far, then yeah, of course, having that additional uh, learning is important. And I mean, I think it's great when I see people doing more because it's important to always grow and to learn, to increase your knowledge. I mean, that's what we should be doing all throughout our life. That's a good thing. Yeah, because I, I, you know, if anybody watches anything about ILM or the process or any creative endeavor, it seems like you're constantly learning something new. You're creating a new software the next year to use, and everything seems to be literally moving at the speed of thought when you're doing something at this technical and creative level. That yeah, it makes sense to constantly be updating your skill set when you are looking at someone's resume. Obviously, for somebody who's doing creative work and visual work, we put a lot of emphasis on our portfolio. We put a lot of emphasis on our reel. What outweighs the other or how do you look at somebody's resume in comparison to their reel and portfolio? What's got more pull? For the artist roles, definitely they're real. It's all about the work. I mean, that's what the supervisors are going to look at first and foremost. And it's not so much the resume. The resume is more just to if they want to see kind of history about where they've been, what they've done. And that's helpful for me. And it is helpful for them as well. But yeah, definitely the work on the reel is going to be important. And I would also like to add, if you can have a demo reel breakdown, a breakdown of your work, that would be really helpful. And it's important because the supervisors want to know exactly what you did on that shot. You may have not have done all of the work in a shot. So they want to know specifically what you did. Okay. So they actually want to know if you did the, mm -hmm. if you just did the little particle beams here and not the giant starship, you need to be. Yes. And they will ask you, <laughs> they will ask you because they know. Yes. <laughs> so there's no, there, you know, there's no, there's no, no, no backdooring, no, 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 no sneaking your way in. No. no, I guess I'm never working at ILM. Then <laughs> bummer. Uh, <laughs> Honest question, and I think I know the answer to this, but in reality, how often should we be updating this stuff? How often should a student be updating their work? Because that seems like a full-time All job the time. For all of us. Yes. And that's the other thing. Because our supervisors are looking at your work and your reel, if you don't have it updated, they're going to be looking at old work. And you were just talking about comparing your resume to your reel. 
that's something that's going to show up when they see that, oh, you've worked on something within the past year or two, but your reel only shows like three years ago, they're going to ask, where's that work? Because they want to see your latest and greatest. And why not have your latest and greatest? You're only hurting yourself by not putting your best, most current work on there. So I have to actually tell people who probably might have gotten an interview that, you know, we're not interested because the supervisors need to see your work. So update your resume and your reel. Update your reel. Wow. That, that, that's got to hurt from hearing that. Oh, I didn't. I mean, I, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Again, you know, that's what this conversation is about. You know, really getting those hardcore, like, hey, well, listen up. <laughs> well, because again, you know, we work on complex shots. So the supervisors have to feel confident that you're going to be able to do that work. And the only way they can know for sure is by looking at your work and what you've done, seeing if you can handle it. And if it's something that we need for the show that we're hiring for. Hey, just want to take a very quick break and say thank you for listening to Creative Mind. If you have any questions or thoughts, let us know. Click on the show notes for our email or head over to anchor.fm slash creative mind to leave a voice message. That comes up to that next question that a lot of people have a hard time with. And some creatives are, you know, we're notorious in having a hard time talking about ourselves or, or going off on a tangent all over the place. Even as I'm talking to you now, I'm trying to focus on the 500 questions I want to ask you. What's a good way for somebody to really talk about work they've done and talk about themselves when they're applying for something that can be very, it can be scary applying for a big company? Yeah. Again, I'm going to go back to the work. And that's what I would say. I would say stick to the work that you've done and just talk about the work because, again, that's what they're interested in. And they will ask you questions about your process of the work that you did. Think about the challenges that you had to go through and how those challenges were resolved. They're interested in that as well. You know, they're also interested in what you feel is probably like the best work that you've done and why. Yeah. Why? There's... That's a tough question. That can almost sound confrontational. Is it confrontational or is it? No. Again, it's back to kind of what makes you tick. Like, what are you interested in? You know, why did you like that shot? And interestingly enough, some people, it was not so much the shot, but like the scenario, the, the project that they were on, the group of people that they worked with. And uh, the experience they had to get to the finish line. And it might not have been a shot that they think is the most beautiful, but that experience itself is what made it special for them. And that's what they think about. So even that, you know, that's important. Understanding like, oh, what, why, what did you have to do? What the team effort was? What were the communication skills involved? I mean, they're looking at everything, which is sometimes more important than the work itself. Talk to me about the, the interviewing process. You've given us a lot of great information about it, but what are some of the other things you're looking for outside of the technical and the skills, the oh. hard skills? Oh, what, what kind of person are you looking for? Oh, that's probably the most important thing. Part of what we're looking for are what some people call the soft skills. Those are things like, you know, communication, collaboration, efficiency, good attitude. Those are all things that we're looking for. You know, are they a good team player? 
are they flexible? Are they adaptable to, you know, stressful situations? How do they work under stressful situations? Can they take direction well? Do we think they can take direction? Do we think they're going to listen and hear, you know, what we need them to do? These are all things that we're looking for. The work at ILM doesn't get done by one person. It takes a whole bunch of people. And so in order to get that work done and to the level that the world expects from us, we have to all help each other get there, do it together. So collaboration is a big thing for us. And collaboration covers a lot of things. I I talked about it. Good communication, being able to take feedback, give feedback, being able to, you know, work smart, efficiently, open to ideas, being supportive, being able to help other people who might need your help. Um, That's a tough one, though. That one, you know, I've heard other people mention that you're helping other people, which, you know, in some creative roles, it's all collaboration and it's great. And in some mm -hmm. creative roles, it's you're very much an island under yourself and it's, this is mine, that's yours, don't play with it. But it seems quite the opposite. Exactly. You know, at ILM, we want to make sure that the images that are on the screen are going to be like the best. I mean, we have a legacy to uphold and we want to continue to do that, not just because it's a legacy, but that's the kind of people that come to ILM, people who want to work on really good work and want to make sure that that work looks good. And again, we understand that it takes everyone doing their part, not just a few people, it's everybody. And we, in San Francisco, we hire a lot of like short-term people to come and help us. And we know it's hard. They're not going to be able to know what people who have been there for years know. So we have to help them. And we have a very supportive environment at ILM. We are helpful because again, we want to make sure that that work looks good. So we have to bring everyone up to the same level. We want to get that work looking its best. So if somebody is applying and they are they're pretty good and you go, wow, that, that's pretty good. If you see something that's lacking, is that an immediate no? Or is it like, hey, we think this person has some potential? Oh, sure. Definitely. And again, it's everything. It's their potential and even more so those soft skills that I spoke about, like Can we tell they're going to try really hard? They're very motivated. You know, they have a positive attitude. I mean, your attitude, I can't tell you how many interviews I've come out of. And those people that may not have as much experience, but they have the best attitude, I usually am giving them offers because the supervisors would rather work with someone who has less experience, but has a really good attitude. And they feel confident that they're going to be able with their attitude to put the work through that will be required of them. So it's important. Yeah. Potential and a good attitude goes a long way. Interesting. Okay. That's something to remember. I, I, a question for you as a recruiter, a lot of creative jobs, they ask for references. Is that a real thing? It is. And it is not. I mean, I think it depends. For the most part, if the supervisors feel really confident, then usually, you know, there's not really a need. It just depends on... Because it, it always seems weird to me. It's like, why would I ask for a reference from somebody that doesn't like me or that I made upset? Oh. <laughs> it's kind of like, well, how am I going to... You know, aren't all references going to be 
moderately nice at least, maybe not glowing, but at least probably yeah. good. <clears throat> and that's the thing. We understand that as well. So, and the references that we ask may be more about specific job details that the supervisors might be interested in, in getting more information about. Very quickly, if you can, you know, walk me through the actual hiring process from when you get it to when somebody is onboarded. What can somebody expect to have happen? Because that's always the confusing part when you apply for someone. I went on an interview and I never heard anything. Or I sent my application in and they said, that's great. We'll contact you. And nobody contacted me. What do I do? You know, what, what's actually happening? Okay. So, of course, I get a request from the hiring manager to hire a position, we post the job, and then we get applicants that apply. Normally, what happens is we have an automated system. Once you apply, a message goes out saying, uh, we have received your application and we will let you know if you are a good fit. So basically, we're saying we got it and you'll hear from us once we reviewed your resume, you're a good fit. From there, we as recruiters go through and forward resumes to the hiring manager and to the supervisors to review for their position. I know hiring managers can kind of fluctuate and the supervisors, that's their role. How long does that normally take or is it, does it all depend? <laughs> it, it kind of depends on how urgent the position is. And sometimes the hiring managers will want to post the position because they're nervous about whether they're going to get a lot of applicants and they might be concerned that it might take a while before people notice and they may not know yet when they're going to hire for that position. So that's why sometimes it might be posted for a while. Also, yeah, we have these positions that are called expression of interest and those are posted because again, the hiring manager is not sure when they're going to have to higher, but they feel like they might. So they're starting to put it out there to gather resumes. Okay. We should not be freaking out if we've applied and we don't hear right away. No, it's just yeah. kind of, it's just the way the business goes. It kind of is. And the thing about a company like ILM, because we get so many applicants that the other issue is that we can't get to everyone's resume because there are just so many. Sometimes it's thousands. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, in a week, I could get over a hundred and you know, that's just one week. So it just depends. Yeah. If if you're getting called, it's something that has a a real reason behind it. It really does have a reason behind it. So are there tricks? Are there any tricks besides just being a a nice person and being qualified? There has to be a trick to getting up there. The uh, only other trick would be your experience, like really, and being able to speak about, again, how that connects to the position that you're applying for. And I know that there's often been a question about whether to send a cover letter or not with your resume. I know some recruiters look at cover letters, some recruiters don't. I think there's a lot of uh, reasons why. Recruiters do or don't. A lot of it might have to do with the bandwidth and how urgent the position is. And sometimes cover letters are not always helpful. And when I say helpful, I'm going to say it doesn't add to what is already on your resume. So if you're going to do cover letter, like for myself, 
I want to see all the details that you were not able to put on your resume, like the things you're talking about. What's the magic dust or the additional stuff that can add to it would be to give me further explanation about why, you know, what is it that makes you organized, efficient, a good communicator, all the things that people will kind of just add to their cover letter, but don't specifically talk about. So I want details. So, so on a regular resume, are we still thinking, you know, that argument that comes up all the time, one page, five pages, how many, is it just a one page resume? Um, To be honest with you, it doesn't have to be one page for me because I know there are people that have many years of experience, so it doesn't have to be just one page, but if you're going over three, then (laughs) it better be gold if I'm going over three pages. Well, let, let me ask you that because that's one of the questions that I know comes up for a lot of people. You know, you know, so many of us use LinkedIn and I'm going to pick on LinkedIn specifically because it, it's one of those um, sites that is great and also can be very confusing. LinkedIn automatically can generate you a resume. And for a lot of people like myself, it could be five pages long. That seems like, well, why am I doing that? And you're saying anything over three is bad. Okay, wait, I'm not saying it's bad. It's not just bad. Unusual. unusual. It's unusual. unusual. But, well, I can but look at my five-page resume and go, wow, even I'm looking at that going, that's a lot of stuff to read. I don't even want to read it. That's a lot of information that doesn't <laughs> well, that- have that much stuff on it. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I fill out this box anyway if it's going to be unnecessary? <laughs> it may not be unnecessary, but you may want to just kind of think about what you're putting in there. And if you're repeating yourself, then you might want to edit. I I just think about the hundreds and thousands of resumes that we're going to have to go through and what's going to be easiest for us. Like I love the objective in someone's resume that they put at the top that says exactly what you're looking for. And that to me, I, I know, okay, great. I know that we're looking at this person for this role and I don't have to figure out what that person wants to do. Okay. If I have to figure it out, then it's like you're going in the pile of, I don't know. Okay. Interesting. So you, you, the objective shouldn't be, I really want to work at ILM and make Star Wars movies. No, you're shaking No, your you have to now. tell me exactly what you want to do or else you go in the, I don't know pile. Cause I don't know what you want to do. I don't know what you're passionate about. I don't know what you're interested in, which is what we're trying to figure out. We're trying to figure out who you are, what makes you take What motivates you? What do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to be? If you can tell me that I want to be a producer, then at least I know, okay, great. I can put you in the production track. We can look at you for, you know, oh, I want to like be a visual effects supervisor. Okay, well, you know, and I'm interested in lighting or, you know, then, okay, great. I know where to put you. But when you give me nothing, then I don't know where to put you. Mm, I don't know what, what you're interested in. That I think is probably the greatest advice you, you've given me so far, because I think that's the one that's the hardest for all of us. I mean, I'm 43 and, you know, we still, everybody applies for jobs or freelance jobs or down the road, you're going to apply for a job. It's like, you know, like you said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know. I want to work. Well, yeah, everybody wants to work. <laughs> but that, And that's okay if you don't know, but do you know what you're interested in and what you really want to do right now? Then I can help you. You know, you have to help me help you. So the more information you can give me. And a resume is a way of telling your story. And that's how you stand out. You stand out because we're all unique. You stand out by telling me your story of who you are. And we want your authentic self. We don't want something that you think is going to look good. 
No, I, I want to know what you really truly want to do. And if you're applying to a job just because you're trying to get a job, don't do it. Apply to a job that you're really interested in and you're going to be passionate about. Because if you work at ILM, you want to make sure that you do a good job at what you're doing. And you're only really going to do that if you're interested in that job and you're passionate about it. Just because you want to work at ILM, but you're going to do something that you're not really interested in, no, don't do it. I think we're both laughing. You don't want to work there. If you don't like it, don't apply. But that makes a lot of sense. That is an important thing to think about. And we're going to find out. Right. (laughs) When you say your objective is to do this, you better believe that's what you're really wanting to do. That's what you're going to be doing. Because I'm going to ask you (laughs) when I call you and I see that. Well, no, that's great to know that, you know, if somebody's going, I want to be a producer and you go, you know, well, what, what do you think producing is? Tell me how, what you want to produce. Why do you want to produce? I don't know. I just thought producer sounded like a really cool title. Maybe maybe that would be fun. A more serious question, though, if you apply and you get passed on or the interview doesn't go well, is that it? Are you done? Or can you apply again? Or... Oh, no. You, you can apply again. Okay. As often as I, and you better believe there, we got lots of people who have applied many times. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. Before we wrap up, everything you have given us is gold. But Lori, is there anything else that I've missed that you go, you know, you really, 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 really got to do this. This is the most important thing I want to look for. Uh, I would just say, make sure that your contact information is correct. Your email is correct. And if you have any links um, that, that you want us to be able to just hit, make sure those links work. I know you're laughing. Make sure your passwords, I know. Make sure your passwords are correct because if you have a password, you've included it because I'm If anybody listening thinks that's the dumbest thing to happen, I have met many people who've put wrong information on their first business card, including myself. I transversed the numbers because I was so nervous and excited and put the wrong phone number on my own business card when I first graduated that yes, do check all of your links so they work and your email, you spell your name correctly. Yeah, that is pretty intelligent advice. (laughs) I would also say for people who are applying to artists roles and are including a reel, you want to put your best work there. Your best work. That's what I would say. That, that's the tough one. You, you kind of don't want to put work. That's not your greatest because you don't want to look bad. I mean, you want to show that, okay, I know what good work looks like and this is good work. If you put bad work in, they might question, oh, why did they put that on there? It doesn't look very good, you know? You want to make sure that your best work is there. That's what I say. That's some very, very good advice that we all need to be reminded of a lot. Lori, thank you so much. I'm completely intimidated. I don't know if I'll ever send in my oh. uh, resume to ILM, but <laughs> no. I'll be looking for that. I'll be looking for that director position. So don't worry. I'll bookmark <laughs> it. So when that pops up, you know, please think. Um, when you think of me, think of me kindly. But thank you so very much for this because this welcome. I think will help this help everybody out listening. That you know there is a path and you have to follow it. Yeah, definitely. So there you have it. Some tremendous advice from Lori Beck, senior recruiter at Industrial Light and Magic. And keep in mind, as more and more art and design career opportunities are on the rise, of course, as Lori stated, employers are always on the hunt for the next generation of talented and skilled creative professionals. At Academy of Art University, you will get those work-ready skills that employers want. 
can study on-site in downtown San Francisco or anywhere in the world with our online programs. To request more information about our 40-plus areas of study in art and design, including game development, animation, UX design, and more, just visit our website at academyart.edu slash creativemind. I'm Bobby Brill. Thanks for listening.